For the second time in 24 hours, the Seahawks are moving on from a franchise icon. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down the Seahawks' decision to move on from perennial All-Pro Bobby Wagner and much more on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Wednesday episode. Yes, it's Tuesday, but we're recording our Wednesday episode early. My co host in crime, Rob Rang. It is truly a new era in Seahawks football. Earlier today, I guess it was a Wednesday show yesterday, Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos. He's waived his no-trade clause. And now legendary linebacker Bobby Wagner is hitting the free agent market, getting released. So the last two players that are standing from their two Super Bowl teams, they are no longer on the roster. They are starting from scratch moving forward. We're going to be diving into this latest major roster move for the Seahawks, looking at a few of the players the Seahawks brought in with their trade with the Broncos to send Russell Wilson to the Mile High City. And then we're going to be taking a close look at how these moves may impact the rest of Seattle's offseason. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. This is truly breaking news to the point, Rob, that we're doing our Wednesday episode on a Tuesday night because for the second time in 24 hours, the Seahawks are moving on from one of their most legendary players. Bobby Wagner reports indicating he's going to be released. And this is not near as surprising as Russell Wilson getting traded because we have talked about this a couple times already this offseason. Bobby Wagner is going to be 32 in the summer. He is now in his 11th year in the NFL. Even though he was a second-team All-Pro a year ago, his cap hit is $20.35 million. We've agreed that that was an untenable cap number. They either needed to agree on a restructured deal of some sort to lower his cap hit, or they needed to move on. Now, barring him coming back on a much cheaper deal, which I'm not envisioning, it's Cody Barton's season at middle linebacker. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, oh my goodness. If you were a Seahawks fan and you just happen to take a day off, then my goodness, get caught up because there is a lot happening here. Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos just a few hours ago. Bobby Wagner, uh, you know, the, the reports are that he is going to be given his outright release. I wonder if that might not be something that the, the Seahawks are putting out there in the hopes of possibly generating a train, a la the way that the, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys did with Amari Cooper here just a couple of days ago. Uh, but still, you're, you're talking about the quarterback, and the quarterback on defense that are possibly being traded, the guys who helped Seattle win one of these uh, Super Bowls right up here. Um, you know, I mean, just absolutely unbelievable turn of events here in Seattle. Uh, you know, and we're going to be breaking it all kind of uh, all down here. I just think that when you look at this, this, this is something that we talked about with Bobby Wagner that has been kind of expected. And obviously everybody has been talking about the possibility of Russell Wilson being traded. There's so much news to break down here, Corb. I think from a, a Seattle perspective with Russell Wilson quickly, I think that you have to kind of just look at it like, hey, 
Russell Wilson had no trade cause in his contract. If he really did not want this to happen, he could have pulled the plugs on this. The fact that he did not, the fact that this trade came through, the fact that here for two years now, it has been talked about, there clearly was a lot of smoking embers out there to kind of create all of this. And then with Bobby Wagner, I, I think that you're talking about a guy who just recognized that if, if Seattle is willing to trade their their quarterback, their, their future Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest player in their franchise's history, clearly one of the great players on and off the field in Seattle Seahawks history, that I think Bobby Wagner just said peace out on that kind of stuff. I, I I'm not gonna be able, to, I'm not willing to come back if you are not gonna pay me the 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 mil, the twenty plus million dollars that that he was owed. And so I, I think that Seattle, as they said at the combine, Pete Carroll and John Schneider both said that they wanted him to come back, hoped that he would come back, but at the same time weren't sure that he was coming back. I think they went to him and said, look, we, you have to come in at a lower number. And when he probably was unwilling to do so, then all the more reason why they are making this move now. So if, if you are going to make this type of move at the quarterback position, then why not rip off the entire Band-Aid, do the full rebuild? Is there a team in the NFL who is going to have more salary cap flexibility than the Seattle Seahawks? To me, that is one of the things that we have to be kind of talking about, not only today, but in a couple of days moving forward. Just like we talked about on our earlier show with Nick Lee as my co-host, breaking down the Russell Wilson trade, obviously Bobby Wagner has had a Hall of Fame career 10 straight seasons, over 100 tackles, six times he's been picked first-team All-Pro. He's also got a couple of second-team All-Pros. I mean, this is one of the most decorated linebackers that you'll see in any era, and he is still a good player, but we've talked about this multiple times this offseason. He is not the player that he was two or three years ago, and he's going to keep declining because he's getting older. You could see the athletic decline last year on the field particularly in coverage only having three tackles for the loss a lot of the tackles he was making five six yards downfield so he is going to help someone he is still a productive player but you're right if Seattle's going to move on from Russell Wilson that right there is move number one to signal rebuild Bobby Wagner I'm sure was approached about trying to alter his contract but from his perspective why would you want to if you're going to be playing for a team that's probably going to be in major rebuild this year and your future with them beyond this next season is in doubt, why not just part ways? And so the Seahawks officially don't have any players from their two Super Bowl teams in 2013 and 2014 on the roster anymore. They let KJ Wright go last year. The last two standing were Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, and now they are both gone likely to be playing for other teams next season. And as I mentioned, Cody Barton is the natural fit on the roster to step in and play the Mike position. He started the last two games for the Seahawks to close out this past season and played pretty well in those games. Now, can he be an everyday starter for you at that position? That remains to be seen. They might try to go out and see if they can find somebody in free agency to fill the void. There's some good linebackers in this draft as well. And now the Seahawks have extra draft picks to work with because of the Wilson trade. So it's possible they could go look for his successor in this draft and put him next to Jordan Brooks, who looks to be an all-pro in the making in his own right. This is a much more expected move. I'm not really that surprised by it because we knew all along if he wasn't going to be willing to do something to rework that contract that there was no way the Seahawks could go into the season with that cap hit. And, and here's the other plus side, Rob. Russell Wilson, you had to absorb a $26 million dead cap hit to make that trade. Bobby Wagner 
you're going to get almost $17 million in instant cap space. He had no guaranteed money left on his contract. And so from Seattle's perspective, that's a pass rusher right there. You can get a stud pass rusher with that kind of money if you can lure them to come to Seattle. That's something we'll be talking about more later. But obviously, this is a move that's going to help their bottom line from a salary cap perspective and allow them to get younger, take a look at some of their guys already on the roster. And, you know, maybe Cody Barton can be the answer there or a rookie coming in. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, this is the very first conversation that you and I have had Corbin since uh, Seattle made the move uh, to trade Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and acquire the number nine overall selection in this draft class and this is a draft class that is loaded with pass rushers not the von millers not the chandler jones not the 30 something guys the guys who are 20 the guys who are just starting to you know become what they are about to be the guys who are the future von millers and chandler jones um you know and so that's the thing is that all those Seahawks fans out there who have been kind of chomping at the bit, like, oh, my goodness, you have to be able to build through the draft. Well, you just got everything that you want. Seattle, give John Shutter credit. Whether this trade works out or not, you certainly cannot say that John Schneider and Pete Carroll don't have courage because they are moving on from some of the legends of this franchise. And, and that's the thing is that if you want to rebuild your team, then that's how you do it. How many times have New England Patriots fans, you know, bemoan the fact that their club, Bill Belichick, was willing to move on from their past superstars? And yet that's how you win in today's NFL. It is a decade since the Seahawks selected Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. I should flip that over. Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, and back-to-back selections in the second and third round, respectively, of the 2012 draft. Here we are, 2022. You, you can't live in the rearview mirror in the NFL. I mean, as, as uh, Jerry Glanville, longtime Atlanta Falcons head coach, uh, said, you know, it's the not for long. Well, the Seattle Seahawks are proving that here on March 8th, 2022, a date that may live in infamy, who knows, in in, in Seahawk and certainly in NFL history. Yeah, I think this is a date that a lot of fans are going to view as a date of infamy. Now, if they end up cashing into these draft picks they got back for Russell Wilson, somebody like Cody Barton emerges, or they find a really good linebacker in this draft class to put next to Jordan Brooks, then we may look back on this date and be like, you know what, those were tough moves, but they needed to be made, and Seattle made the most of their opportunities to replace those players. Or we might look at it as like that was the beginning of the end and everything went downhill. And that's what makes this situation both fascinating and frightening for Seahawks fans. We're going to take a look at the players the Seahawks got back in the Russell Wilson trade here in a moment because like the team, we've got to start moving forward. Who are the newcomers that are becoming to Seattle and what might they bring to the table for the Seahawks? This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on my New Year's resolutions. I'll admit today, I have broken all of my resolutions. It's been a tough one, but I'm going to be getting back to it tomorrow. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them, especially when you're talking about Built Bar Puffs. If you haven't tried them, you are missing out. Best tasting protein bars on the market. The first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat and amazing flavors. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. They're going to become your new favorites. And all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein, 
They're the perfect replacement for candy bars, and they taste better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, amazing flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Technically, it's Tuesday night edition. This is our Wednesday episode doing a doubleheader because the Seahawks decided to get rid of two of their most legendary players on the same day. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Make sure to check out all of the Locked On podcasts on YouTube. They're available streaming five days a week. That includes the Locked On NFL podcast. Experts from all over the league weighing in on their respective teams. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. So we've got this big trade that comes down this morning and latest reports, Rob, Russell Wilson has waived his no trade clause. He's passed his physical. The only thing we're now waiting on for this trade to officially become official is for the three players coming back to the Seahawks to pass their physicals. That would be defensive tackle Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fant, and quarterback Drew Locke. There are plenty of fans out there that are questioning the addition of some of these players into the trade. Why didn't we just ask for more draft picks? But, Rob, you've got two guys here that are pretty talented players, and I'd say all three of them are talented. But Drew Locke has not been able to put it together as the quarterback in Denver, and he's been hurt by the offensive coordinator situation. I don't know that Pat Shermer necessarily was helping him when he had the opportunity to play in Denver. So it might be a case where a talented guy with a change of scenery might end up having much better success in Seattle. He absolutely could, Corbin. That's the thing, is that if Drew Locke was in this draft class, I believe he'd be the first quarterback selected. I believe that he'd be one of the very few guys of this quarterback class who might be worthy of the number nine overall selection. He has a monster arm. He has success against SEC competition. He has starting experience against the NFL as well. So everybody who just like, oh, Drew Locke, he's going to have a throw in kind of a deal. No. Uh, now, I would argue that, that he does not have success in a run-heavy offense, as I expect the Seahawks to employ moving forward. But at the same time, I, I think that you can make a strong argument that he is one of the biggest reasons why Seattle was willing to pull off this trade is the fact that they do see some untapped potential in a young quarterback who's going to make less than $2 million while Russell Wilson makes $20 million next year. Now, is, is Drew Locke even comparable to Russell Wilson as a quarterback? No. He's not. He has absolutely nothing in comparison to Russell Wilson and their success at the NFL. But we're talking about John Schneider and Pete Carroll, two guys who have consistently gambled on athletic potential. And Drew Locke has that. And if we're going to have that conversation about athletic potential, then, oh, my goodness, no offense. I mean, we, Corbin, you and I did a mock draft on Monday where we – I mean, you can say whatever it is, but we did not select a tight end. Maybe there were some of us kind of talking about you shouldn't select a tight end because Seattle was going to make a move for a tight end, and they did so. They got a guy who is so athletic in 6'5", 250 pounds, runs in the 4'4s. If you match Noah Fant with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett 
And, you know, I mean, all of the different talent that Seattle has, suddenly you have among the most explosive skill position, pass catchers in all of the NFL. Isn't that what you're looking for? Isn't that what Seahawks fans have been clamoring for? So to me, that is one of the exciting things about him. Now, has, has he been as productive as maybe the Denver Broncos wanted when they selected him in the first round a couple of years ago? No, but he hasn't had any kind of reliable quarterback play in Denver. And you can make an argument that now Seattle is going to have reliable quarterback play. But I think that that is something that's going to, you know, a, a storyline that here that we're going to kind of see what happens. I don't think that Seattle is finish at the quarterback position, whether they draft a guy or they bring up, bring in somebody from unrestricted free agencies as far as a veteran. And then Shelby Harris, Shelby Harris, the best player of the bunch. I mean, as far as just like who, what Six he sacks two the of the past three seasons as a three tech, and he can and, stuff the run too. I, and, uh, I think he is the best football player of these three, not the most athletic, not the most talented, but he's the best football player of these three. And, and I, and I love that you describe him as a defensive tackle because he was listed as defensive end in Denver's 3-4 scheme, which, of course, we're expecting Seattle to use a little bit more 3-4 scheme here. He is 6'2", 290 pounds. He is not your traditional defensive end. You know, he is not the, that blind, off the, off the blind side pass rusher. You know, this is a guy who is physical. He's uh, instinctive. He is, uh, you know, one of those emotional leaders uh, of the team. I mean, this is a good football player. He might be the kind of guy that might be able to light a little bit of a fire under a Puna Ford who did not play quite as well as expected a year ago. Uh, you know, if you're able to, or, or an LJ Collier uh, who did not play as well as expected a year ago. You know, to me, he is one of those glue guys. And so we've been talking about ever since Seattle had to basically let go of Jaron Reed. And that, that I thought was one of the, the, the real turning points in this franchise. They've been looking for a junkyard dog. Shelby Harris is a junkyard dog. He is a Seahawk, kind of a physical football player. Well, he's, he's a guy, guy, Rob, you may remember this. When we first started together working on this podcast a couple of years ago, he was on my short list of yeah. free agents that I wanted the Seahawks to chase because I think he's a fantastic, incredibly underrated player. So to get him as part of this package, I think that that's a nice add-on with the draft picks that you were getting. And the other two that you've already hit on, Drew Locke has always had the physical tools. Now we see this happen a lot in the NFL, especially the quarterback position. Guys that have the physical tools, that does not guarantee success in this league. You've got to have it between your ears You've got to have the moxie, the coachability, and you've got to have the work ethic. There have been some questions about some of those things with Drew Locke and his decision-making. Now, late last year when he came back into the lineup for Teddy Bridgewater, it seemed like he made improvements in that regard. He wasn't throwing a lot of passes into double and triple coverage and trying to show off his arm. And if you can get him to buy into that in Seattle, playing an offense where we are not going to turn the football over. We are not going to beat ourselves. We're going to run the ball. That's a big if, but if you can get him to buy into that, this is a guy that can make the downfield throws. He can get the ball to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. In this case, Noah Fant, who can be a 700, 800-yard receiving tight end that can stretch the field, especially with the weapons that he's going to have around him. Again, there's a lot of ifs here, but the talent is certainly there with Drew Locke, and he was put in some tough spots with the offensive coordinator changes in Denver and not necessarily always having the best talent around him. 
he's going to get a chance to try to resurrect his career. And he's going to have to compete to win that job, whether it's against a rookie or they bring back Geno Smith, whatever they choose to do. He's going to have to compete. This job is not going to be given to him outright. So I think that the three players are getting back. They're nice add-ons. You still got two first rounders and two second rounders that you can bring in some really good young talent, hopefully hit on those picks. That is going to be critical for them to either avoid being a team in top five contention draft pick wise next year, or try to accelerate this rebuild. The best way to do that is to hit on those picks. And so those are obviously the most important pieces of this trade for Seattle getting those draft picks to be able to you know, rebuild their team with some really good young talent. But you do have some veterans here that can help with that process, especially if Drew Locke ends up being a sleeper that ends up figuring things out in Seattle. That would suddenly make this trade look really good for Seattle. I wouldn't hold your breath that's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility. I'm going to hold my breath. I mean, I think that this is exactly the, the type of offer that Seattle had to consider. We talked about this before, Corbin. It's It's – unbelievable in today's nfl you you just don't trade franchise quarterbacks that's not what happens but at the same time if you get seven players which is of course the four draft picks the three veteran players for russell wilson and and seattle threw in a a draft pick as well seven for two i mean you know again that is the kind of thing that you have to do if you're going to do a roster rebuild and all of those players with the exception of Shelby Harris, who is you and I both agree is arguably the best actual player in terms of what he's done so far of the bunch, other than Russell Wilson, of course, but he is the best player. What you're getting from Denver's Hall here, and and everybody else is a first or second round pick. My goodness, it, this is the opportunity the Seahawks fans have been craving for. This is the roster rebuild. And there are a number of quarterbacks who are going to be available either in the draft or in through unrestricted free agency or trade that I think can actually help Seattle move on and, and not just have that, that, that terrible season in 2022 that many are forecasting. And there are a lot of really intriguing quarterbacks who are going to be available in that 2023 NFL draft if Seattle was to have a poor season. I think that this is an intriguing bunch of guys that Seattle is bringing in here who might be able to make this team much more competitive than some of the, some of Seattle's critics at this point would be suggesting. Let's shift gears now. Obviously, there's tons of news that we're breaking down today with Wilson being traded and Bobby Wagner being released. I want to look more big picture now, Rob, because this is a team that we've been talking for several weeks. You've got a lot of talent on this roster with players like Jamal Adams and Puna Ford, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You're hoping that you can bring back players like Dwayne Brown and Rashad Penny, Quandre Diggs in free agency. And I think that that is the one thing that fans are concerned about that I can understand, and that is – with Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson not being here anymore, where is the lure of playing in Seattle now? Because you don't have that star quarterback that can carry your team. The middle linebacker that's been the anchor's defense for a decade is now gone. So a lot of people are going to be looking at the Seahawks team and thinking that's a three, four, five win team next year. How can you persuade somebody like Quandre Diggs, who you didn't put the franchise tag on today before the deadline, you didn't use the franchise tag at all again? John, John Schneider just has never done that. He's done it twice in 13 years with the Seahawks. He just hates the franchise tag and only uses it if he absolutely has to. You've got a lot of really talented players 
that now are going to be hitting the market. And if they're, you know, if the Seahawks give them an offer to come back, you're not going to have the same sway that you did 24 hours ago because your two best players, two of the best players you've ever had in franchise history, they're now gone. I definitely think this can impact the trajectory of their offseason. And it's weird because I did not expect saying these t- these things with Pete Carroll being 70 going on 71. I did not expect them to go all out rebuild, but your two best players, your two most significant icons that were still in the roster are now gone at two critical positions, especially the quarterback spot. It is going to be hard to sell free agents and your own guys that are hitting free agency on coming back and playing for you. Now, maybe Pete Carroll has that kind of an effect and still can lure people in. And this ends up being a competitive team. But to me, that is the biggest roll of the dice here above everything else is even if you think you can win with a younger quarterback, a cheaper quarterback, are you going to be able to put the pieces around them? Because persuading players to play here, I think is going to be much tougher right now. I would agree with you. I mean, the players that are motivated just to win, but there's a lot of players out there who are motivated by money, and Seattle has now put themselves in position to be the most aggressive team in all of the NFL in, in terms of free agency. They should now, and I, you know, as you and I, Corbin, have talked about this in the past, kind of joked about it. I'm not a bean counter. I don't know exactly the, the money that Seattle has now just afforded themselves in terms of salary cap. Uh, flexibility, but you trade away Russell Wilson, you cut Bobby Wagner. If that is indeed the, what happens, then then suddenly Seattle was, was in pretty good uh, salary cap position in the first place. I have to believe that they are going to be easily the number one team when it comes to salary cap flexibility moving into this free agent class that I think is a very good free agent class. I think that it is ripe with quarterbacks, ripe with pass rushers. Uh, you know, and, and and you talked about a player like Dwayne Brown, for example. I don't know that there is still the, the same need to bring Dwayne Brown back at his age to bring him back to a team when the quarterback is Drew Locke. I, I will tell you this, Corbin. I, I think that the Seahawks are going to drop the number of sacks that they have next year allowed. Uh, whether it be Drew Locke, whether it be a rookie quarterback, protecting a quarterback who is not Russell Wilson and all the different things that he does. And don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson made so many amazing plays after three or four seconds have elapsed off the clock, but still he also took a lot of the sacks there too. Uh, and so I, I, I just think that this is a, a team that is looking for a true rebuild at this point. That number nine overall selection could very well, in fact, be used on the left tackle. I think that's that to me, and maybe it's just because I'm a draft guy and, and I love the draft. I love the idea of rebuilding around youth. But to me, that is one of the fascinating things. John Schneider and Pete Carroll deserve an awful lot of credit for his age, as you just referenced there with Pete Carroll, his willingness to compete, to do what he has always said that he wanted to do and compete. They are competing at this point. I mean, they are looking to try to rebuild and win championships, not rebuild and just kind of build up the luster of the future Hall of Famers that are Bobby Wagner and, of course, Russell Wilson. They want to win. And if you actually want to win, not do what the Green Bay Packers are doing, just give that bunch of money to Aaron Rodgers, who has not won a Super Bowl since Russell Wilson did. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, do you actually want to win or do you just want to kind of polish the trophies that are those Hall of Fame busts? That, that to me, is a real conversation 
here that a lot of Seahawks fans have to have with themselves. And it, it's going to be messy. It's going to be argumentative. But at the same time, I, I think it's also going to be one that um, that I think is going to be fascinating, certainly, as we move forward in this draft class. I'm going to be doubling down on what I was saying before Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner got jettisoned. That to me, the goal going into this free agency period You've got to get some impact players, and I think even more so now, they need to be guys that are in the prime of their career. So I'm talking about players like Hassan Reddick, who has had back-to-back double-digit seasons and I think is a good fit for what Seattle's wanting to do schematically right now. I'm paying a guy that's 27 going on 28 instead of a guy that's 32 or 33 that, yes, maybe Von Miller and Chandler Jones are still fantastic players, but... You don't want to pay for past production. You want to pay for what you expect to get the next several seasons. So I think that that's at your pass rusher positions. That's at linebacker if you're looking for Bobby Wagner's replacement free agency. If they're going to try to get a corner, if they want to add a receiver to their room, there's rumors that Tyler Lockett could be the next to go potentially. I mean, there are other dominoes that could easily fall here with the Seahawks in the midst of this rebuild now. You want to add free agents that are going to bring great value and also be in the prime of their career and give them multi-year deals. It's a shift from what the Seahawks have done over the last seven, eight years. But you just made some significant changes. You're going to have to change the way that you do business if you want to try to accelerate this rebuild and get back into contention. So I'm expecting you are going to see a much different approach. They're not going to be trying to piece together a bunch of veteran minimum deals one year contracts and try to patch this together with the group that they've got now. It wouldn't make sense to do that. So, you know, some fans might view that as a major plus. We're going to see major changes because in part they have the money that they can spend. I just, at this point, you mentioned Dwayne Brown, who knows what's going to happen with Quandre Diggs too. You know, Quandre Diggs has great respect for Pete Carroll. And you know, the Seahawks have said throughout the off season that they want him back. Clint Hurt said, that's one of the guys we've got to have back. If they're wanting to win with an elite defense again, you got to have that ball hawking free safety. So I'm just wondering if Quandre Diggs is going to want to come back now at this point. Those are the guys you got to keep a close eye on and see what happens because now the Seahawks have no mechanisms to stop them. They're going to hit free agency. If you lose them, you lose them. That's the risk that you are taking now. And so I'm curious to see how this plays out. How much of a draw is playing for Pete Carroll at this point without Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner? And really the uncertainty, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of intrigue to this, and you can understand why a lot of fans are kind of crawling into the corner and getting in the fetal position a little bit too because there's there's some frightening potential with this too when you have this kind of a shakeup getting rid of big-time players. But the Seahawks have positioned themselves financially. They've got the draft picks if they can capitalize on those opportunities much better than they have the last four or five years. If they can spend that money efficiently, Use those picks to get some big-time young talents that can step in and contribute right away and have high upside. Then they can make these moves pan out and get right back in the mix in the NFC West. But if they mess up on those, we might be talking this time next year about who's the new head coach, who's the new general manager. I mean, this, these are the type of moves that put you on notice if you're a coach or general manager. You need to capitalize on these resources that you now have at your disposal and stay competitive. And you know Pete Carroll's going to be pushing that for that at his age. So I am curious. I'm fascinated to see what Seattle ends up doing here over the next couple of weeks. New league year starting next week. How do they approach free agency? Could they go out and try to get somebody like Deshaun Watson in the future? I mean, there are so many moving parts that it's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch. But 
at the same time, it's going to be a lot of fans white knuckling into this process too. Just uh, so much uncertainty after a decade where really the certainty was we're going to be playing in the playoffs. We're going to be competing for titles that is gone, but there's a renewed sense, you know, that, that sense of newness can be a good thing for the fan base as well. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on our Thursday show, we're going to be recording this tomorrow, but we will have a new show coming on Thursday. We're going to continue breaking down some of the latest developments from the Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner news, and we may finally get to wrapping up our combine stuff. In fact, we might go back and look at quarterbacks because now suddenly that looks like it might be a pretty important position for the Seahawks, but it's going to be a jam-packed episode coming your way. Looking forward to you joining us. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your crazy Tuesday. Go Hawks.